True crime friends, welcome back to another episode of True Crime in Academia. I am your host, Mary DePippi. First of all, I hope you are all having a wonderful week so far. If not, we got this. We'll get through it. I know we can. But I am on location today, actually. So if you can hear any weird background noises, just ignore it. I'm sorry. I'm doing what I can, okay? I'm at my side hustle right now, and I'm... I've got everyone sectioned off in their rooms, and I'm here in the basement, and there's like a water heater slash whatever, I don't, you know, all the basic needs for stuff is down, like literally right in the room where I'm at, so <laughs> if you can hear any of that in the background, I truly apologize, but it shouldn't be that way for next week, so we're good. Just bear with me for this one, okay? If you don't already, don't forget to follow True Crime and Academia on social media. I am on TikTok and Instagram at True Crime and Academia. And now on Twitter, I am TC in Academia. Because, you know, they don't they only give you so much space to write. So many characters, I should say, to give you for the name. So I couldn't fit the whole thing. But, yep, so that's what that is. Also, don't forget to become a subscriber so you can access the bonus content. I know I'm super late with this one for this month. I promise it will be out this Friday. My apologies. Time just totally got away from me last week and this week. I had a lot going on. But hopefully everything will start to go back to normal in the next two-ish weeks or so. You know? This week's case is actually pretty interesting. I mean, they're all interesting, let's be honest. That's why we're here. But it also kind of freaked me out because of the location from where this person was kidnapped and then eventually killed and stuff. So, I love Target so much. I love it. I do. It just... Now I'm sad when I think about Target a little bit. But... It's also a really just a really good lesson also as well. So without any further ado, let's get into it. So you know when you're at a store and you kind of feel like someone's been following you around, but also like you don't want to be paranoid about it because you know you're in a store with other people around. Nothing wrong could ever happen in one of America's biggest chain stores during the day, right? Sadly, and I'm sure unsurprisingly, considering you all know the show by now, this was not the case for one incoming freshman of Kansas State University. Kelsey Smith was born on May 3rd, 1989, to Greg and Missy Smith in Charleston, South Carolina. She was the middle child of five kids. She was described as being passionate, fun-loving, and just lived her life to the fullest. She was active in marching band, choir, and theater, and was really looking forward to starting college at Kansas State University, or K-State for short. At some point during Kelsey's childhood, though, the family did move to Overland Park, Kansas. But I'm not sure when exactly. I couldn't find that out. But again, we have a very bright young person who, you know, we have now lost out on their impact in the world, which sucks. On June 2nd, 2007, 
18-year-old Kelsey Smith was heading to the local Target to buy scrapbooking supplies. She and her boyfriend, John, were about to celebrate their six-month anniversary, and Kelsey wanted to make him a scrapbook to mark the occasion. She had spoken to her mother around 7 p.m. that night and informed her that, you know, she would be home shortly after. But as the minutes started to turn into an hour, Greg and Missy Smith knew that something was up. They had instilled in their children to call or text either, you know, Greg or Missy about their whereabouts and when they could be expected home. So when Missy had tried to call Kelsey multiple times and she wasn't answering, they knew something was very, very wrong. Now, Greg Smith, Kelsey's father, was a retired police officer, and he immediately started calling around to the local police departments and hospitals to see if any accidents had been reported or if any car accident victims had come into the hospitals. John and Kelsey's sister, Lindsay, decided to search the area where her car was last seen. They discovered Kelsey's car in the mall parking lot across the street from the Target that she had been shopping at. The car was then towed to Johnson County Sheriff's Office to be processed by the crime lab, and Kelsey was officially considered a missing person. Of course, police had to interview John and all of Kelsey's family, but they were all immediately cleared as suspects. Police had tried to obtain Kelsey's phone records and try and get a ping on her phone from where she was, obviously, since she was missing. But the folks over at Verizon refused to give police any information because, according to the federal law, they are not obligated to do so. Now, before we all get upset, because I was, but we need to remember that this partially could have been for the fact that Verizon was doing this to protect Kelsey's privacy. And I know it sounds absurd, especially when we have all these other companies that can just sell your information. But, I mean, technically you can't just give out anyone's personal information just because the police ask. This is how people get sued. And as we all know, cops in this country are allowed to lie to you during an interrogation. So what's stopping them from lying, you know, to get someone's personal information for their own personal gain. Obviously, that is not the case here, nor am I calling all police officers liars, but I just want to make sure that we are all aware that lying is allowed when you're a cop, and Verizon was probably just trying not to get sued by providing this information, even though, like I said, we know that it would have just been beneficial had they just given it to them. Police scrambled to find any sort of lead as to where Kelsey was, they obtained surveillance footage from the Target, and they were able to discover a potential suspect. Now, I personally only saw some of the CCTV footage, but from what I saw, Casey... Not Casey. Gosh, I've been watching too much F-Boy Island. <laughs> Kelsey can be seen entering the store around 7 p.m. She grabs some supplies, and then she goes to the cash register where she pays... Then she's seen leaving the store around 7.07 p.m. Now, while they're watching Kelsey, they also notice a man in a white t-shirt, dark pants, shorts, kind of, and a goatee-ish type of situation. I don't know. To me, it looks more like a chin strap beard type of thing, to be honest. But anyway, they notice that this guy is following her around and looking at her. And he actually leaves just as Kelsey is getting ready to check out without buying anything. 
which for me personally, that is a red flag. I mean, it's fucking Target. <laughs> it's nearly impossible, I think, for almost anyone to be able to go into Target and just not buy anything. So clearly this man was not there for a day of retail therapy, you know, like the rest of us who go to Target, you know. Obviously, it was for something more sinister. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, true crime friends. You've heard me talk about my amazing friend Mandy before. She makes the best crochet, cre-cut, and custom home decor for reasonable prices. If you're looking for a -a one-of-a-kind gift or some new decor to add some new life into your home, look no further. Mandy has got you. I have quite a few items from her, ranging from a crocheted headband to Halloween decor items to my amazing and adorable Coraline ornament. Um, If you guys haven't noticed, I'm like obsessed with Coraline and I just love how Mandy makes it. She's also made me a Coraline doll that sits next to all of my true crime books. To order, just slide in her DMs on Facebook and Instagram at Mandy Made It. That's M-A-N-D-E-E made it on facebook and instagram once again go to mandy made it on facebook and instagram send her a dm and order today now this part of the cctv footage i wasn't able to see i couldn't find it anywhere but it was written about a lot and it said that the cameras outside of the target parking lot caught Kelsey putting her items into the passenger side of her car, like on the passenger seat, before being forced into her own car. And they could only see a little bit. It was like a flash, it was described as. But they could see a figure in a white t-shirt forcing her into the car. Then the car drove off. At this point, police couldn't really say that anything happened because they don't know what happened with the man you know, in the figure. It just looked like he was forcing her into the car. However, they couldn't tell for sure. So... Then police looked at the video footage from the mall across the street where her car was found. On that footage, the man that they saw who had left Target before Kelsey was getting out of her car and walked away. The clips of Kelsey and the man from the CCTV footage were released to the public in hopes that it would lead to the identity of their suspect. While many of the tips weren't useful or just didn't pan out, two did. One tip came in saying that the man drove a mid-1970s Chevrolet pickup. And on June 6, 2007, police were given a tip that they really needed. A person claiming to be the neighbor of the man in the footage said that that was his neighbor. It was 26-year-old Jack, or at least that's who he knew him as. But really, his name was Edwin Roy Hall. Now, not too much is known about Edwin Hall's childhood. I was able to find out that he was adopted by Carol and Don Hall at the age of seven. It was stated that 10 years prior, Edwin had actually threatened his younger sister with a knife. Don and Carol had tried to get him help, but it didn't seem like he was very responsive to it. 
His MySpace page painted a more violent picture of Edwin. On his profile page, he wrote that his hobbies included eating small children and harming small animals. It was also revealed that Edwin was also married with a four-year-old son at the time. Police went to the address provided by the neighbor and took Jack to the station for questioning. They did notice that he had a Celtic shrine in his home, which investigators found to be strange, but, you know, to each their own, I guess. There, though, during the questioning, he provided his real legal name and was just like, yeah, I'm not Jack. I'm actually Edwin Hall. Not sure how long of pressing that took to get that out of him, but, you know, at least he, he came out with it. He, gave, he also gave police his fingerprints and a DNA sample, which is very shocking, honestly. Even the investigators were shocked. Obviously, most criminals don't give that up that easily. And, you know, I'm not defending any of his actions or defending him. Let's just make that clear. <laughs> but my darling listeners, if you are ever in a situation where your DNA is needed, whether you need it or not, or, you know, just in general, if you're being questioned by the police and you find yourself in that situation, please, please, please lawyer up and keep your mouth shut. That is the only way you can be fully protected. And, you know, a lot of people think that getting a lawyer means that you're guilty, but really it's just the responsible thing to do because the lawyer knows the law and they know what cops can and can't do. Whereas we don't really know that sometimes. So, or, you know, sometimes we don't always know as much about the law as we think we do or our rights. So it's just important to have someone there who can really guide you through all of it, not just to help you get away with shit. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not saying that, but you know, it's just good to have an expert with you in that case, you know? Obviously, since he is the responsible party <laughs> in this case that we're talking about today, I'm glad he was that stupid and gave all that up. Detective Sergeant Bob Miller continued to press Edwin and actually got him to admit that he was at the Target and saw Kelsey. But he said when he saw her, he thought she had great legs. This comment set off alarm bells for the detective sergeant. And he said when he heard this statement, it made his skin crawl. At this time, Kelsey's phone records were finally made available. Police found that the final ping on her phone was in a wooded area called Longview Lake. Police focused their search in that wooded area, and they were able to uncover the body of a nude woman who was under a pile of branches that was kind of in the shape of a pentagram, and the nylon belt was wrapped around her neck. The DNA testing confirmed that the body belonged to Kelsey Smith. Also around this time, results from the crime lab revealed that the fingerprints from Kelsey's car and her steering wheel were a match to Edwin, which I don't think anyone was surprised, honestly. The autopsy also revealed that not only had Kelsey died due to strangulation, but that she had also been sexually assaulted before her murder. Now, with the shrine and the pentagram, police felt that this was a religiously motivated crime or some sort of, like, sacrifice, if you will. However, there wasn't much evidence to support that, nor did Hall admit that. So we can't really tell. As far as right now, they're just coincidences. Hall was arrested and charged with kidnapping, murder, rape, and sodomy. 
He was held on a $5 million bail and was indicted by a grand jury on all the charges on August 1st, 2007. Now, because of the charges, this made him eligible for the death penalty. A year later, on July 23rd, 2008, the prosecution and defense reached a plea deal. Hall would plead guilty to all of the charges and the death penalty would be taken off the table. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole on September 16th. Hall never really gave a motive for his crimes. However, what he told the courts, the only motivation that he offered was that it was a crime of opportunity for him, which, you know, doesn't really offer much solace to anyone, I don't think, especially not Kelsey's family and friends. He also did apologize, which, you know... I teach the kids that I watch at my side hustle, you know, that apologizing is a very important first step because you're acknowledging that what you did was wrong and that it hurt people. (sighs) But in the case of murder, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I feel like murder is one of the more unforgivable things, or at least, you know, I think people would be more understanding if the family didn't want to forgive him however though however I think the fact that he apologized says that there's some good in him I guess I don't know I don't know but let's face it how many killers do we have that really come out and actually apologize for what they've done so you know Kelsey's parents, along with Congress and government officials, have been working on a bill called the Kelsey Smith Act. This act, or this bill, if it came into law, would require internet and phone service providers to provide information about a person's last whereabouts if the person is believed to be missing and in imminent danger. So essentially, this would fix the whole problem from before and, you know, would basically help prevent these service providers from being sued, which, you know, they can afford it. (laughs) Let's be honest. As far as I can tell, this has not been passed into law just yet, but, you know, I'm hopeful that it will be just because I do think that it is important to have these types of laws in place so that way we can help find missing people more effectively and quickly without all these other organizations have to fear for being sued like I said despite the fact that they can all probably afford it so but that is all I have for you today I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week stay safe stay healthy do all the things Don't forget to follow True Crime and Academia on social media. And don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, do all the things. It helps us. So we would really appreciate it if you would just take the time to do that. But until next time, my dears, I will see you later. Thank you so much for listening to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room or True Crime and Academia. I'm Andrew Rimby, the Executive Director. Our team includes Mary DePippi, our chief contributor, Nicole Arguello, our marketing assistant, and Kimberly Dallas, our editor. Ivory Tower Boiler Room episodes come out on Monday, and sometimes I'm joined by a guest co-host. Make sure you follow us 
on Instagram and TikTok at Ivory Tower Boiler Room and on Twitter at Ivory Boiler Room. And here's Mary. Hello, everyone. I am the host of True Crime and Academia. Do not forget to follow True Crime and Academia on Instagram and TikTok at True Crime and Academia. And coming soon, there will be a Twitter also at True Crime and Academia. Now, if you're like me, you like to have bonus episodes. I love extra content, don't you? So go to patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room. Not only do you have access to our video interviews, but you will also be able to access never before seen bonus episodes. So like I said, you can't, we don't release them anywhere else. You can only get those on Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room and become a subscriber today. And don't forget to listen to ivory tower boiler room on Mondays and true crime and academia on Tuesdays.